Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, November 30th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's been one year since control of Jackson's troubled water system was handed over to a third-party manager by a federal court. Then, an advocate wants more opportunities for families to pick where their kids go to school. Plus, the U.S. Postal Service is shipping millions of packages next month probably starting right now. They share how folks can ensure presents get to their destination on time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of a federal judge placing Jackson's water system under the control of a third-party manager. Ted Hennepin, a nationally acclaimed expert in water utility management, was tasked with overseeing the system. We knew so little about what we were getting into at that point. The focus was really the 13 priority projects that were listed in the uh, the order itself, largely uh, thinking at the time was, uh, you know, we didn't have federal funding, that we would get as much of those moving forward as we could within the funding that we had available. And uh, we were going to do our best to uh, try to stabilize the system. Really didn't understand at that point or even uh, foresee what that looked like uh, going forward. So in that short year, that's passed very, very quickly. We've done amazing things, I think, as Jackson Water. Uh, we've largely stabilized the system. Uh, we've got a long way to go as far as capital projects in the future to, to make sure it remains stable and can continue to operate. But we're delivering water to everybody in Jackson. We are uh, delivering safe uh, water, meets all safe drinking water standard uh, requirements, and that's being tested and monitored on a regular basis. We've got a professional operation and maintenance uh, firm running the plants. So in many ways, the water system is uh, light years ahead of where it was a year ago when the order was signed. But we do have a long way to go. But the reason that we're there, and you know, we'll talk about sewer being added at the you know, end of this, you know, about a month or two before the end of the first anniversary of the order. But uh, on the water side, the success is largely due to the support we're getting from the community at large. I can't tell you how uh, gratifying it is to be out in Jackson at restaurants, on the street, at the farmer's market, and people come up thanking me for the work Jackson Water is doing. I'm not doing the work. It's it's Jackson Water. It's our staff. It's our contractors. 
But Hennepin acknowledges there's still a lot of work to do. Over the next three years, the federal order remains in place. We sleep most nights. I'm not saying every night's great. Uh, There's still uh, plenty of challenges with the system. And over the next several years, we'll see the investments of the federal dollars that we're getting uh, going to the system to make it stable, make sure we can retain pressure for everybody and keep that moving forward. Uh, During those first six months, we were really focused on just that, stabilization, figuring out what was going on with the distribution system, and getting our contractor in place, uh, running the plants. That's Jacobs. They've been a critical part of making this successful. And then uh, later, we we really ignored a lot of other things, communication, uh, public education, things that were sort of nice to have at that point as we were busy uh, putting out the fires of keeping the system running. So our focus going forward is on public education, make sure people understand you know, where the water is coming from, what goes into treating the water, making sure it's safe, and then you know, why it costs what it does to get water to people. Among the largest problems facing the water utility in Jackson is billing, according to local officials. Some residents have thousands of dollars in unpaid bills. Others struggle to pay them. Hennepin announced a new plan for billing several weeks ago that would charge customers based some customers based on their income. It would also help subsidize those who can't afford the water by using community donations. A little bit of change for folks, but generally it's not significant, but it, we need everyone paying their bill. That's where the sewer system ties in. You know, we've, uh, we've taken over the sewer as part of the uh, stipulated order that was put in place on November 30th. So, you know, well, nine months, 10 months into the, the water order, we've taken responsibility for the sewer system as well as Jackson Water. And again, it's due to uh, great people that were making great progress. As of a week ago, we addressed about 50 of the ongoing dry weather overflows. That's the sewer kind of running in the streets, no matter what's going on in the the weather. Uh, 50 out of, we thought the number was 215 that's in the order. Turns out that we, at the 50 that we've done, 19 were in that list, and the rest were not on the list with things we continue to find, things that weren't on the list. So not exactly sure what the total universe is of those uh, dry weather overflows, but we're addressing them quickly and uh, continue to make great progress in the sewer, largely due to a contractor that we've uh, has had presence here in Jackson for a long time. Uh, QAN Tran, Q Solutions is our firm out of Atlanta, and she's working with eight of our former city employees that are now full-time dedicated to Jackson Water from the sewer uh, maintenance group. And they've just stepped up and done amazing work over the last uh, month and a half as we've really tried to incorporate what we need to do on the sewer side. So again, a lot of progress, feel like we're in a great spot, but long, long way to go. Ted Hennepin is the federally appointed manager of Jackson's water and sewage utilities. Coming up, an advocate wants more opportunities for families to pick where their kids go to school. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB is broadcasting all seven of the MHSAA Football State Championships. The 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic returns to Ole Miss's Bart Hemingway Stadium. First up, 1A, Biggersville versus Velma Jackson. Kickoff is at 4 p.m. this afternoon with pregame starting at 3 on MPB Think Radio. 
MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Natchez, Jackson, Tupelo, Cleveland. However you want. Radio, smart speaker, smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Some organizations for public education in Mississippi are calling on lawmakers to increase funding for public schools next year. Others hope to see a greater number of options for families that want a choice in what children and where their children can go to school. Grant Callen is founder and CEO of Empower Mississippi. It's a group pushing for policy changes. He says giving families more options for schooling allows for a more targeted education experience for kids. We see access to great schools is such a critical component to human flourishing in Mississippi and quality of life and families thriving. And so today in Mississippi, we have great public schools. We have some great private schools, charter schools, magnet schools, but access to those schools are is largely dependent on whether you live in a wealthy community that has a great school system or you can afford to move to a better community with school that might be a better fit for you or whether you can afford to pay for private school tuition, which leaves out a lot of kids who also need options but can't afford to to take advantage of one of those routes. So yes, we support public funding following students, and the best way to do that is through an education savings account. This is an idea that's growing by leaps and bounds around the country. Our neighbor to the northwest, Arkansas, recently passed a universal ESA, Uh, There are now 10 states that have universal eligible private choice programs, kind of like an ESA, and in all of these states, it is opening doors of opportunity for kids. So Mississippi already has a special needs ESA program that was passed in 2015, and it is helping many children with special needs, but the program has remained really small uh, because of the way lawmakers have funded it even though there's a a large waiting list to get in. So what is being proposed or we're anticipating – let me say that again. What we're anticipating being proposed in the coming legislative session, an education savings account program that would have broad eligibility and would not be limited to students in one category or another like special needs. So when you say a broad, that means any student basically? Yeah, what we would like to see is let's start with the kids who need it most. Let's phase in a program so that eventually, yes, every child in Mississippi would be eligible for it. But let's start with kids who are maybe stuck in a traditional public school that's not meeting their needs or maybe students that are in um, in a high-poverty family and can't afford other options. So. Let's make sure those kids who need it most get to the front of the list, but instead of having a debate about who should have access to choice, let's recognize all kids are unique. They 
all have unique learning needs. And so every child deserves the ability to be matched with a school that's going to meet their needs. So every child deserves choice. Let's just make sure the kids who need it most get in the front of the line. Arguably, there are a lot of students around the state who need it most, which would decimate. I mean, there wouldn't be any money left. No, not at all. So here's how I would explain it. And this is what we can look. A number of states have done it this way. This is the way Arkansas structured their program that passed earlier this year. Students in Mississippi in in traditional public schools are currently funded through three types of funds, federal, state and local funds. The ESA would simply allow the state portion, which is about $6,700 on average statewide, uh, it would allow that $6,700 to be directed by parents to um, education service providers. So schools, they could use those funds to pay for private school tuition or curriculum or online classes or dyslexia therapy or things like that. So districts would still have the local dollars and some part of the federal dollars, which would not follow the child. The only portion that would follow the child would be the state portion. So when you actually look at the numbers, a district would have more money per student because you know a few kids may choose to opt out using this ESA program, but because they keep the local dollars, they're going to have more money per student to help the kids who who stay behind. In other states, are you finding that a lot of children are in these programs? Well, in most states where they have expanded, even where they have universal eligibility, they they still have a, a cap on the growth, so it grows slowly. So Arkansas, their program had a cap that said the program could grow no faster than 1.5% per year of public school enrollment. In the first year, they didn't even hit the cap, but they had about 6,000 students who took advantage this year, and I expect it to to probably uh, double in growth for next year. So what we find out and what the data shows when you look at states who have done this and when you poll parents, the vast majority of parents want to be in traditional public schools. But that doesn't mean they don't want the option of choice, even if they don't choose to choose a different school. Well, in a region like the Delta, where there are struggling schools and in rural areas, I'm thinking there wouldn't be anywhere else for them to go. Well, I think we, we can't think about the, the private school landscape as a static thing. It is growing, and particularly since COVID, we have seen so many new innovative, student-centered new schools and and education models open to serve and and meet students' needs in different ways. So just in the last 18 months in Mississippi, we've seen about 15 micro-schools, private-funded micro-schools open, and these are just small schools that in some cases – uh, in some in some communities, kind of look like the old one room schoolhouse where you have uh, a number of students crossing different grade levels in one setting, and oftentimes these are fifteen, twenty, thirty students uh, in, in the school, but their needs are being met in different ways. So 
in in rural areas, there's a there's a number of states that are even more rural than Mississippi that have seen tremendous progress and tremendous success with school choice. And simply the fact that we're a rural state doesn't mean school choice won't work here. I'm, I'm confident it would. Grant Callen is founder and CEO of Empower Mississippi, an organization pushing for more school choice options. In part two of our conversation with Callen, we care deeply about having a fair and equitable justice system, and we're focused on two overarching goals. We want to see less crime, and we also want to see fewer people behind bars. That's tomorrow. Next, the U.S. Postal Service is shipping millions of packages. They share how folks can ensure presents get to their destination on time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. You can participate in the local MPB Think Radio programs this morning with phone calls and emails. At 9 on Creature Comforts, we'll talk about your animals and the animals around you. Get answers to your automotive repair questions on AutoCorrect at 10. And at 11, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens deals with the health of your children. Humor, stories, news, music. Our weekend lineup has it all. Tune in to enjoy the relaxed sound of the weekends on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The U.S. Postal Service is shipping millions of packages across the nation every day this holiday season. To help folks get those packages on time, they're asking customers to be aware of how long it may take to ship them. And security reports show this is a peak time of the year for porch pirates, people who steal packages from doorsteps. Isn't that infuriating? Our Kobe Vance speaks with spokesperson Deborah Federley about how to ship efficiently this holiday season. We had a very successful year last year, and we've planned ahead since the beginning of the year, and we're going to have another successful year. Uh, We have been doing a lot, leveraging our investments in our employees, infrastructure, transportation, and technology, and it's all due to the Postmaster General's Delivering for America plan, which was implemented in 2021. So we're making a lot of investments, including uh, new equipment to sort packages. In fact, across the country, since 2021, we've um, deployed 348 uh, pieces of mail processing automated equipment for packages only, and 100 of them since the beginning of this year, including um, throughout Mississippi. I know you might not have a specific number, but if you had to ballpark, how many packages and pieces of mail are y'all dealing with each year? In 2022, we processed nearly 12 billion packages and mail pieces during the holiday season. And on average, it took just 2.5 days to deliver a mail piece or a package. And then throughout this year, we've increased our service performance. In fact, thanks to uh, the Delivering for America plan, 98% of the nation's population is receiving mail and packages in less than three days. Wow. How are you all able to accomplish that if you had to give it in basic terms? Well, we have new uh, automated equipment, additional automated equipment for packages. Our employees are very dedicated. 
um, not just uh, during the holidays, but throughout the year, although the holidays are a special time for us. We've had several job fairs, including a few in Jackson and along the Gulf Coast this year, and we've had new employees join us. We've had some for seasonal, um, but not as many this year because we have converted some of our part-time um, people to full-time during the year. So we're gradually, you know, building up on a workforce. And employees, you know, come here because we're a great place to work. If you had to set expectations for this year for people who are sending packages in Mississippi to other places around the state, around the country, what should people be thinking as like a realistic way, a realistic time frame? Well, we have uh, suggested deadlines, uh, December 16th for first-class mail, December 18th for priority mail, and for priority mail express for, for excuse me, for Priority Mail Express, for procrastinators like myself, we have until December 20th. Now, I would recommend, you know, the earlier you can bring your packages to the post office is better for us. I mean, earlier in the day, earlier in the month. We do have a, a feature, a free feature called Click and Ship. Customers can print labels and ship packages from their home or office and then um, call the post office. There's a website, our website, USPS.com. You can sign up and have your carrier pick up your packages for free the next day when he or she makes regular delivery. So those are a couple of things that were making life easier for folks during the holiday season because it can be a stressful time. How should folks be able to determine what size packaging to pick whenever they want to mail something? You should always get a package, outside package, a box that is uh, accommodates what you have inside. You want to be able to cushion it properly. You don't want to have your your package, you know, moving around inside the box. So you want to get one that, that is good for that particular size. I do recommend priority mailboxes. They're free and they're available at the post office. You can also order them online at USPS.com. So you want to cushion them properly. You want to uh, address your package properly um, and, and get USPS tracking. You want to use the correct zip code and go by those shipping um, deadlines. What's the general advice for stamps? I know some people probably send just a simple card, but if you're anything like my family, sometimes you like to throw in a card that has a few extra things attached to them that might weigh it down a little bit more. Okay, well, if you're going to send a card and then like maybe put a holiday letter in giving an update on your family, you want to uh, make sure you have the proper first-class postage. I would not recommend putting a little trinket or something inside the envelope because that could cause havoc on, on the equipment and uh, it, your mouthpiece could possibly tear. So if you have a question, I would take it to the local post office and ask one of our retail associates. be happy to help you. Now, a common thing this time of year is porch pirates. Now, this is something that's not necessarily unique to the holidays, but it's something that people become a lot more aware of as people are getting packages shipped uh, or they're sending things to their loved ones. What would be your advice for people who are receiving packages? We do have a free feature. It's called informed delivery. I would recommend that customers sign up for that. Like I said, it's free. And then you get a daily email with images of your incoming mail letters, and you'll also get an update on the status of incoming packages. If you're expecting something, you can ask one of your neighbors to uh, pick it up. In fact, informed delivery is something that's arriving soon, not necessarily that day, although it could be. But uh, if you've got a message, you can tell your neighbor that you're expecting a package, ask them to pick it up. You could contact the post office and ask them to put a hold on your mail and or your package. 
those are just a couple of the ways that you can, uh, you know, protect your packages yourself. Now, you also have Operation Santa. Uh, can you yes. tell us a little about that, something that's from the USPS? Sure. Um, we get thousands of letters to Santa uh, addressed to the North Pole each year. And since he's very busy supervising the toy production at the North Pole, he asked his friends at the Postal Service to give him a hand. So what we do is uh, kids, we even get adults that write to Santa Claus, and um, they write what they want for the holidays. And it's interesting that I would say maybe 50% of the children do not ask for toys. They want um, other things like, my dad needs a job, uh, my mom is sick with cancer, please cure her. Um, I have a baby sister who came this year. She wasn't here last year. Please remember her and bring her a gift. So it, it's really sweet. So if you'd like to adopt a family, uh, an individual, or more than one letter, you go to USPSOperationSanta.com, and you can review the letters and pick the one or ones that you know tear at your heartstrings. It's best to get the size box that you're willing to donate and then make your purchases accordingly. Now, the deadline for a child or an adult writing a letter to Operation Santa is December 11th, and listeners will need to um, purchase the gift and mail it by December 18th. Deborah Federley is a strategic communications specialist with the USPS in Alabama, Mississippi, and Southern Florida. Deborah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Appreciate the time. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.